My name is Zach Como, and you're listening to the My Tech Decisions Podcast. Thanks for coming back to another episode of the My Technicians Podcast. Like I said, my name is Zach and I'm your host. If you've been following us for the last two years, then you know we've been focused on giving IT pros all the knowledge they need to protect their organizations against modern cybersecurity threats, including ransomware, supply chain compromises, and nation-state attacks. However, one often overlooked attack is the classic DDoS attack, which researchers now say is being used in conjunction with ransomware attacks as yet another type of extortion. To talk about this today is Richard Hummel, Threat Intelligence Lead at IT Management and Security Provider Netscout. According to Richard and Netscout, DDoS attacks are set for a record-setting year, having already increased 11% over the first half of 2021. The company recently put out a report about DDoS attacks that says they're becoming part of ransomware campaigns and are being used to pressure ransomware victims into paying the ransom. Before we get to the interview, here's a quick reminder to download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to hear weekly interviews with IT experts that can help you make the best decisions for your organization. And now, here is Richard Hummel. So, uh, Richard, what stood out to you from the uh, uh, Netscope's Threat Intelligence Report? So, what stood out the most? I think there's a there's two, probably three key key things or elements that I would like to point out. The first of this is obviously the numbers. Uh, 5.4 million attacks in the first half of 2021 is just insane. And last year, we broke the record of 10 million. And if we hold true to 5.4, we're going to get really close to the 11 million mark at the end of the year. And typically, the way DDoS works is the latter half of the year is when it's most busy. Uh, And Mm. so 11 million may actually, in fact, happen. Not only that, we witnessed multiple terabit per second DDoS attacks, which is huge. There's been some breakthroughs in the terms of throughput or speed of attacks. Um, you can see these these numbers are continually kind of trajecting upwards. Um, now, I will say that one of the things that we noted is that right around the March timeframe of this year, uh, March to April, uh, we saw a slight decrease in the month over month of numbers. <clears throat> so, you know, going into the first half of the year, we still had this, this really high benchmark that we believe COVID had a major impact on because the whole world went digital. Right. And so we had seen that slight trending down, but it is still uh, above that high watermark that we have observed in previous years. Um, so obviously the numbers are huge. Um, one of the things that goes hand in hand with that is we're seeing adversaries become more adaptive, what we're calling adaptive DDoS. So not only are they discovering new vectors to launch attacks, in fact, seven vectors in seven months, we either saw discovered or rediscovered. In other words, maybe they've been around for a while, but adversaries just didn't use them, and all of a sudden they just started using them. Um, and so they're adapting with new vectors. They're getting new tools to do this. Um, you'll look at the, the Maris bot that's been kind of surging in public right now, um, and that's everywhere. Now that's research interest in Mozybot and interest in various other different types of bots, right? Um, and so they're using different tools. Um, then you also have uh, adaptive in the way that they go after an organization. Uh, so what we've seen here is that 
Uh, there's been actually a, a changing of the guard, if you will, for the number one vector used by adversaries. It used to be DNS reflection amplification was predominant. Um, but the first half of 2021, TCP ACK flooding actually took over. Now, what's the difference between the two of these is that DNS reflection amplification is um, UDP, it's connectionless. So you, you basically send out a bunch of these requests everywhere. But when you do a TCP-based flood, you're actually initiating handshake requests. Um, and so the flood nature is like half open connection. So what you're doing is you're saturating the resources available on whatever target you're going after. And so we've seen TCP act floods and it got me curious, well, why are we seeing that? And it turns out that adversaries are using that technique to get around different layers of security. Uh, we actually saw this against some payment card processors over the past um, seven, eight months where there's multiple layers of DDoS mitigation services and protection in place. And adversaries will use TCP act floods to get around one, followed up by volume to get around a second. And to actually successfully take down these payment card processors for a few minutes. Now that's huge because payment card processors, especially large ones, process 5,000 transactions per second, which I mean, that's a lot of money. Um, and so they're getting better about adapting their attacks towards the target that they're going after and monitoring in that in real time. Um, and then if I had to take a third kind of key finding from this would be our research in the botnet area. Um, we have a whole section, what we call botnet expose. And in the past, a lot of times what we do is we talk about the latest and greatest Mirai or the new types of IoT bots out there. Um, but, you know, it's great to put numbers out there. It's great to say, hey, Mirai is reigning king again, always since 2016, but that's kind of a repeated, you know, dead story. Um, so what I wanted to do is, is show people, well, what does this actually mean for me? And so consider this as like botnets in your backyard. And so what we did is we took a whole list of IP addresses that we gained from honeypots from ourselves and also a partner of ours, and we merged those together and identified, hey, these are these are bad, right? They're, they're malicious in some way. They're reaching back to a honeypot. They should never do that unless it's an adversary that's controlling it or some sort of automated propagation. And then we take those and we actually look at, well, okay, of these IP addresses, which is those like 1.3 million of them over the first half of 2021, which of these are being abused to launch DDoS attacks against our customers? And so we whittled that down to about 208,000 IP addresses. And we could actually plot these geographically and say that here's the density zones for where these botnets actually are located around the world. And it's really not that big of a surprise when you look at China, India, and Vietnam as the top three. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we pretty much already had this assumption before we did the research, but the research confirmed that. And what's even more interesting is that in Vietnam specifically, there, there was a concerted effort by bots in that region to compromise MicroTik routers. And if you look at the recent bot activity that's happening, MicroTik routers is what's being abused. And we actually saw that phenomenon happening before a lot of this research came to light. Um, and so it's just a really cool way of looking at where are all the botnets, what are they using to propagate, how are they going to compromise me as an individual? Um, and so it's just a really cool aspect to look at. So those would be kind of my three key things from the third. Um, what, what I found interesting, and um, you know, I'm not sure if this is a, a new method or if this is, um, you know, like a tactic that's been around for a while. But DDoS attacks being used um, to uh, gain leverage in a, in a ransomware attack. Absolutely. In fact, one of the trends that we're seeing is something we call triple extortion. Right. And so, both ransomware and DDoS are denial of service events. Um, the whole purpose is to eliminate access to your device, your network resources, whatever it might be, right? Um, there's a really big key differentiator between the two of these, though. DDoS attacks have an end in sight. And most of the time, it's not going to be weeks-long running attack. In fact, mo the majority of attacks are less than 15 minutes. 
And so let, when, you, when you think about both of these as denial of service events, that's the key distinction between the two of them. One of them, you're not going to get your files recovered unless you have backups, you somehow get the encryption key, or you make the payment. DDoS attacks, on the other hand, you can gather those for a period of time and then make sure you get protections in place to prevent them from happening again. Um, so quite a bit different in, in the two of these. But what we're seeing now is more and more groups are actually using both of these methods as levers to get people to pay. So ransomware has been around forever. 1989 is kind of the first iteration of ransomware. Um, then you see in 2013 era, you see CryptoLocker come out. And CryptoLocker guys were working hand in hand with a, a malware family called Game Over Zeus. And Game Over Zeus was a banker malware, get on a system, it would do wire transfers from your bank account, steal your bank account credentials. And then as a last ditch effort, what they started doing is deploying CryptoLocker on devices. So not only did they steal all your money already, they're gonna extort you with ransomware to be able to pay them more. So that was kind of the first, first time we saw like a double extortion. Um, and then shortly thereafter, you see all these other malware families that are doing initial compromise with ransomware, stealing your data, holding it for hostage, and now you see DDoS being added. And it used to be DDoS was kind of the standalone thing, but more and more we're seeing it incorporated into other tool, uh, tool sets or methodologies, not just in the ransomware space, but even nation states will use DDoS as a smokescreen or tactics to take your attention elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're seeing groups like uh, DarkSide that offered DDoS on April 24th. You have Abaddon that used to offer it. You have um, our evil that actually just started doing DDoS and, and you saw some of the recent stuff that came to light there. And so, yeah, we're seeing DDoS combined more and more with this kind of ransomware phenomena. And now you have a one, two, three punch. If you're not gonna pay us for decrypting your files and you're not gonna pay us for holding your data hostage, well, now let's just take your networks offline and see if that helps. Uh, and so it's a pretty powerful uh, toolkit at adversaries disposal. Right, and that and that also complicates efforts that uh, your restoration efforts. Um, if you're maybe not expecting, you know, a DDoS attack, maybe you think you you know your backups are sufficient, so you're starting to restore. Then all of a sudden, you hit, you hit with a DDoS attack. I mean, that really is that really is a one two three bunch. And, and what's worse is with COVID, how many people are still working remote? Right. And so now, how are you going to get access to your network resources? And even worse, we're seeing these extortion gangs go after VPN concentrators specifically to eliminate that link into your organization. And so, yeah, this one, two, three punch can be really powerful. So it seems like ransomware and I think supply chain attacks are getting a lot of the attention now. So, but why should we continue to pay attention to DDoS attacks? Well, one, just the numbers in general, right? They continue to go up. It used to be that people would be like, man, I'm never gonna get DDoS attacked. I don't need to worry about it. But that's really not the case anymore. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And what's worse is that DDoS has a massive collateral damage impact. And so let's just take VPNs as an example, since we just talked about that. Adversaries are going after commercial VPNs. And the vast majority of attacks that we see go against gamers. Well, more and more gamers are being pushed to use VPNs. So if one VPN concentrator gets taken down, how many gamers does that affect? Or how many people does that affect that are using VPNs to get around country uh, blocks or various things like that? If you take out a VPN concentrator for an organization, maybe a large organization that's servicing 1,000 employees, well, now you have 1,000 people offline can't do anything. And so to me, VPNs are part of the supply chain. This is the digital or connectivity supply chain that allows people to do their job. And even more so, going after DNS servers, uh, Fancy Lazarus, a recent extortion gang, one of their primary targets is authoritative DNS servers for internet service providers. Take those down, and guess what? Now you're talking about massive domino effect of collateral damage 
that's impacting everybody trying to connect to resources that 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 rely on that authoritative DNS server. Uh, and so I think that's just what we're seeing here is, is more and more adversaries are going after these things. So let's talk about some uh, mitigations and defenses. You know, what, what you know, what are the tools that you can use to defend against CDOS attacks? So I think the biggest thing here is going to be preparation and making sure that you actually have something in place. Don't wait to get attacked because, like I said, it's not a matter of if, it's when. And even if you're not the direct target of something, that collateral damage can impact you. And so making sure that you have defenses in place. Now, what does this mean for the individual? This is a little bit harder to, to handle because individuals are not going to buy an on-prem device, right? They're probably not even going to buy a cloud-based DDoS protection service themselves, right? They're just, it's not monetarily feasible for them to do it. Well, make sure your ISP provider has DDoS protections. And are they giving that to downstream uh, customers? So doing your research there. Um, if you are a gamer or you're somebody else, you know, use a VPN. They're not as heavily targeted as some other things. Make sure that they can't find your individual IP address. And the good thing is, is like, if you're using a VPN and these VPN companies know that they're the target of attacks, they're more likely to have DDoS mitigation services in place rather than the individual themselves, right? So right. that's their added measure. Um, but that preparation is going to be key. And then also making sure that you're doing your best current practices. Um, so this could be anything from like, uh, if you're an organization, segmenting your network. So if a DDoS attack does happen, it takes down a portion, but you can you can rely on your other segment mm. networks. Or in the event of ransomware, if, if you're segmented, then they can't get to all of your crown jewels at once. And so a lot of the, the mitigations and protections that we would say for DDoS also apply across the aisle to ransomware. And the same is true vice versa. And so making sure things are patched, right? Um, making sure that if you do have devices on your network, like the Microtech routers, are you patching the vulnerabilities from 2008 that allow them to be uh, enslaved into a, a botnet? And so the, all these things go hand in hand. And by staying up to date with these current practices, you can make sure that your organization is properly prepared to handle these. And then on the other side of this is also doing a little bit of red teaming. So it's not enough to make sure that you are protected. You also have to test that protection. And so if you're concerned about DDoS attacks and you need to have a certain amount of transit capacity at all time for your customers, why don't you launch a DDoS attack to see if you can handle the volume of attacks that we typically see against that industry or against that country. In fact, um, horizon.netscout.com is a free resource that we actually show near real-time DDoS attacks against industries and against countries. And so you can actually go there and say, I'm an organization, I'm in Germany, um, this is this is where I, I typically go. Is there, is there attacks against me specifically in Germany in my industry? And then more broadly, just look at that industry all around the world and see what what's the high band of these attacks? What's the fastest attacks being launched? And, and is my business critical enough that if I go down for any portion of time, it's going to affect my, my revenue? If the answer is yes, which I would imagine for most people nowadays is, then yeah, you need to make sure you're protected. And maybe you don't need the highest tier protection, but get somewhere in the middle. Um, and if you can't afford on-prem stuff or you don't have your own security teams, then go to a cloud provider like Arbor Cloud. And there's all kinds of solutions right size for your organization. So preparation and, and doing these things ahead of the attack is where you want to be. Great. Awesome. Uh, Richard, thanks very much. I appreciate your time. Um, you know, I think that should do it for me. Unless there's anything else that you think um, you think we need to add here. I, I mean, I think the only thing I could say is if anybody's curious with more in-depth research, to check out the report. That's got.com slash start report. It is fully interactive. Um, so there's some maps in there you can page through. There's some graphics and stuff. Uh, definitely encourage you to because I only scratched the surface of what's in there. Right, right. 
Very good. Well, uh, hey, Richard, thanks very much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you would like to learn more, head to mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at mytechdecisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at ZWComo. Until next time.